Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Seek Forgiveness will launch Mental Health Ki Hundahe, a transformative translation guide that looks to explore and explain common mental health issues in a way that Sikh and Punjabi speaking communities can understand. If you'd like to find out more, please visit sikhforgiveness.com. If you're in the UK, you can purchase directly from the website. If you're looking to purchase internationally, please check out Amazon. Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness podcast. I'm Amrita Bansal, and I'm joined today by Sonia Rai, who is the founder and director of Nectar HR and also the HR lead for the Seek Helpline. Thank you for joining me today, Sonia. Thank you for having me. To begin with, tell us more about the Seek Helpline and the work that they do. Okay, so the Seek Helpline was set up about 25 years ago by our CEO, Gianni Sukhasing. Um, I don't think he envisaged it becoming what it has now become. Uh, it was originally just a, a local helpline um, helping people through any kind of problems that he was approached about at his local Godra, and it's grown and grown into a national service um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we take calls across the spectrum, really any age, any, any faith, um, from issues of things like bullying at school, um, issues at school to bullying in the workplace, relationship issues, grooming, um, domestic abuse, uh, just just a whole variety. Mental health, um, you know, people people who are struggling and people who want some support and advice uh, reach out to us. So um, I don't actually take any calls. I'm not the person that you would um, speak to on the other side of the phone, but I'm kind of in the background and I've been working with them for six years now. So I've been volunteering for six years and I am more in the background, making sure that our systems and our processes are working the way that we need them to and really supporting um, anyone that, that calls us. That's incredible. It's a range of, like you said, mental health issues, as well as some very key and powerful social issues. Yeah, definitely. It's um, we, we, we regularly kind of run stats to see you know, who's calling us, what age group, and it is quite wide um, in terms of that. But what we have seen is like during lockdown, there was a, a large increase in domestic abuse cases that came through to us nationally. Um, but also, you might think that a helpline like us would receive more calls from women, but we actually statistically have been receiving more calls from men. Um, so we, we look at that data and then we try and analyse it and look at what we need to be doing to support, to support, you know, perhaps that area or, or that demographic um, that is kind of calling us up and, and speaking to us more. So we're always constantly reviewing it as well. So the work that you guys do is informed by what is happening socially and what is happening within even the South Asian community or with others. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we're always we're always looking to improve to uh, you know in the last year we've undergone like quite a large restructure so um we've restructured the way our volunteers sit nationally we've got regional leads we've um we've put in kind of quarterly all seek outline volunteer meetings we've gone through a big change um in the last year and the other thing that we've actually done is um we've kind of got a website dedicated just to our volunteers so they've got like a volunteer toolkit that they can go on 
um, and that they can access so like training and um, all of that kind of stuff. So we, we're constantly trying to improve what we're doing. You know, we're getting feedback, not just for the callers and the people that are using the service, but also our volunteers and everyone that supports us. That is incredible. And you mentioned obviously volunteering and how you can take part. How did you personally become involved with the Seek Helpline and their work? So I knew of Gyanuji um, before I joined the Seek Helpline because he, in the summer, he runs um, Sikhi camps for children. And yeah. my daughter had attended one. Um, she's now 15, but you know, a good seven, seven years ago, she, did, she was attending camps. Um, and I knew about the work of Seek Helpline and I, I felt like I wanted to give back in some way. Um, at the time, my youngest, my son, was was very young. So I didn't really know what I could do. And I, I knew I wasn't necessarily going to be that person that answers a call or perhaps takes on a case. Um, but I wanted to give something. And so I approached Ganji and I spoke to him about my background in HR and the fact that I was, you know, I've been running my own business for a while. Um, and I spoke to him about how I could support in terms of things like volunteer agreements, the training for the volunteers, inductions, um, and it just kind of grew from there. So I've been with them, I think it's about six years now I've been with them, and my role is quite varied. So it's not just, I am the HR lead, but I also support on events. Um, last year I put together a domestic abuse event, and fortunately it was supposed to be held face-to-face at the end of March last year, and I didn't obviously think about COVID because you know I didn't even, we didn't even know about COVID at that time uh, but as it came closer we realized it wasn't going to be safe to run that event so we postponed it um, and we're hopefully running that event this year in the summer um, but we've done some videos that have gone out kind of nationally about domestic abuse with the police so we've done um, you know what is the definition of domestic abuse and then what can we do as seek outline to support so we've done one in English and we've done one in Punjabi and um, they've they've kind of been received really um, positively and a lot of people have seen those videos and then kind of come forward to access support. As you said, in lines of obviously with the pandemic happening, it has changed how you have had to work or how the Seek Helpline has had to work. So you've mentioned obviously videos and on something like domestic violence, which unfortunately has become quite prolific and even increased in cases. There's how is sort of Seek Helpline helping otherwise reach out to those people? So you mentioned obviously online videos and what else is there in place? So the, the videos that we've done have actually gone onto um, some national TV channels. Um, it's all over our social media, they're on our website. Um, but also I think one of the biggest changes for us was that other charities and other organizations have been contacting us to support because we, we can be quite virtual so you know we are a helpline you do call us if a caller needs um needs to meet face to face that can be arranged but a lot of organizations hadn't got those kind of things in place so they were more face to face um and they were actually calling us to say we need a bit of support because we're overwhelmed with the response or you know people calling up and needing um, perhaps weekly um, check-ins like safeguarding check-ins and things like that um, and so we supported I think for us it wasn't about the method of support it was about the range so we started supporting other organizations as well as people that were calling the Seek Outline directly we had other 
charities and organizations that we then started to support um, and kind of help them set up either either us doing it or how they could um, be, be checking in on, on those people that were calling up and vulnerable at that time. That is so key that people do have that range of platforms or availability that they can reach out and get that support. How have you found your journey and your views and mental health being in line of being around this work? I think for me, it's just, it's become so much, it's just really opened up my eyes. Um, and I think it's made me look back on my journey and recognise perhaps when I didn't realise that I was struggling with my mental health, or I've, you know, I've gone through things in my life as well. But I think as a culture and, you know, we don't always recognise that. We're not always encouraged to discuss it. Um, and I think for me, I now think about my own mental health a lot more. And obviously the job that I do, I'm, you know, I'm in a HR consultancy firm. We have to deal with employees of our clients that are struggling with their mental health quite a lot. And it impacts us because we're either talking to people that are struggling, we're helping, we're supporting them, but we're doing things like offering, um, you know, we've become mental health first aiders. So we're offering that as, as a service out. But I think what it's really made me realize is that these issues have always been there. They're very widespread and actually they're never going to go away unless we recognize them. We are open to, to talking them through either with a friend, somebody who's trained, you know, approaching an organization like the Seek Outline. But for me, it's, it's really been reflecting and realizing that actually there's been times in my life when my mental health hasn't been the best. And I've been extremely lucky because I've got a great network around me and a support system. But I've been told as an individual, I'm quite a strong person. But you don't always realize it when you're going through it. And, you know, you, you start talking to other people, you start learning about all these issues that are going on out there in society, you know, and you start to then reflect on your own scenarios. So for me, I think I feel quite grateful with my mental health journey. I have had times where it has been not great. You know, things have been difficult. I've um, suffered bereavement um, of, a, of a child. You know, I, I lost a baby um, after, after she was born. So, I, and I've gone through my own difficult journeys and, and I've now reflected on how I handled that and who did I reach out to at the time and actually who was available yeah, I didn't know about the Seek Helpline kind of 13 years ago. And if I did, would I have reached out? Um, and, you know, when subsequently when I when I was pregnant after that, like how how, my, how I dealt with it and how I dealt with my mental health at the time um, and how I, you know, spoke to people, how I prepared or actually didn't prepare because I was scared. Um, so I think it's, it it's definitely helps you reflect. Um, and it also helps you be really grateful because, you know, you can, you're talking to people who are sharing with you what they're going through, what they've been through in life. And I think it helps you to realise that you've got to cherish certain moments. You know, just like yesterday was Father's Day and like I saw my dad on Father's Day. And, you know, like normally that's not a big deal, 
But this year I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to see my dad because he was 70 earlier this year and I didn't get to see him. And he lives 30 seconds around the corner, but because we were being safe because of COVID. And so I, I think it's helping me to like really treasure those moments, really live for those moments and be in that moment and not be constantly worried about tomorrow or next week or the week after. Really try and like be grateful and just think, I'm so lucky I'm, I'm spending Father's Day with my dad or I'm seeing, I get to see him um, because we've been through a time where we weren't even able to see each other. Yeah, and it is having that, like you said, reflecting on what has happened as well as now doing this work or being a part of this work, it's made you more aware or heightened your own thoughts and feelings about mental health and what you can do even for yourself personally. Yeah, I mean, I think it just helps you realise when, you, when you're talking to people, you're in that environment. And I mean, in the last year, we, from, from a work perspective, we've done a lot with our clients in terms of like mental health and well-being. So really pushing um, how employers can support their employees during this time. And some of it is just the simplest things like introducing a cycle to work scheme or you know, operating um, certain systems and processes that means that they've got access to um, an employee assistance programme or something like that. Some of it is a little bit more complex. Some of it is things like changing culture. But I think even just like in the world of work, it, a lot of the focus in the last year has been on that because we've had a lot to deal with in terms of COVID and we've had a lot to deal with in terms of it changing the way that people work people working from home, people furloughing, all of that kind of stuff. But actually, we've been the people that people, that employees have spoken to about, you know, I'm scared about COVID. I'm scared of catching COVID. I'm scared of something happening to me or my loved ones. And there's this been, been this like heightened anxiety and fear around it. So it's really been like, how do we support our clients and their employees through this as well? As well as like, you know seek outline and and what volunteers and and the people that are calling the seek outline feeling but from a work perspective I don't think we've dealt with that much like mental health and well-being as we have done in probably the last 14-15 months. Yeah the pandemic as much as it's brought a lot of obviously devastation and a lot of loss it's also almost pushed people like you said whether it be in your work environment so in your own firm as well as in the seek helpline which obviously has always done that work but made it more heightened and pushing more programs and reaching out to people to encourage others to talk about exactly what they're feeling and what they're experiencing absolutely and I think like sometimes like people apologize to you for telling you about the way that they're feeling so they're like, I'm really sorry, I feel like this, or I'm really sorry I'm not at work, or I'm really sorry. And it's like, look, I think we have this misconception in our heads. I think I certainly did, is that like you've got to feel good or you've got to feel together and you've got to feel like you've got your balance, you're, plin you're spinning all those plates all the time and you're always perfect. Mm -hmm. And actually, you're not really human if that's you all the time. You know, sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down, sometimes we feel good, sometimes we don't feel so good. And, and I think we put pressure on ourselves to like be amazing and be wonderful and feel great all the time. 
But if we've got to, if we're going to feel the great and the high, then at some point we're going to feel a bit of a low as well. And it's really natural. And I don't think we accept or even recognize that we aren't, we are going to have days where we don't feel great in moments or, you know, evenings or something. There's going to be some days in the week or in a month that you're not always going to feel as, you're never going to be just constantly on a high, are you? Um, and, and I always say to people, look, you don't need to apologize for feeling and for being a certain way. And actually, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for letting us know how we can help you. Um, from an employment perspective, it's, it's interesting dealing with, you know, employees when they're coming forward and they're talking to you about their mental health. But there's so many things that employers can be doing to support them. And I guess we feel that we've really been able to support that. And it makes the work so much more rewarding when you can see somebody that might have been off sick for a really long time. And then, you know, you're supporting them by phasing them back in. You're getting support from occupational health. You're making adjustments and you can see that employee flourish as they're coming back. Um, and then you're doing your regular check-ins and well-being calls. And then they've got access to different programs. And, and there's just so many great things out there. There's so many fantastic apps. There's meditation guides on, you, you know, it's different for everybody. What who, It depends on what you resonate with, doesn't it? But um, there's so much more out there, I think, as well for people to access. So it's been good to be able to see that part of the journey and, and walk with people as they're going through it. Yes. And like you said, actually normalizing this range of emotions that come up for all of us. Yeah. Yes, over the last year, but even on the day to day. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm a business owner. And I think a couple of years ago, I, I probably had a different view of what it's like to run your own business. I felt that I was very alone in perhaps how I felt, you know, the responsibility, the stress, the anxiety of running your own business. But actually, the more and more that I see that other people are being really honest about their journeys, you know, you're even, you, you're able to resonate with people that are really doing it out there, like your role models, and they're sharing that they've had bad days, or they're sharing that they've been stressed this month. And they're talking about the fact that they've, you know, they're having a mentor, they're having some coaching and things like that. And it actually makes you realise that I'm not the only one that goes through this. Like, it's not just me that struggles or me that goes, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm feeling anxious about this in my business or, you know, because it is hard as a business owner. You end up doing so much, so many things yourself. And that's not because you haven't got the right team around you. It's just because you wear a lot of different hats when you run your own business. Um, you know, I am the payroll and I am everything else. And, and sometimes I, I, I'm just the HR person. But now I've I've got a team and I have to look after them. Um, and then I have to do all these other things that go along with running a business that I don't really feel I'm particularly good at, but I have to get on with it and do it. But because other people have been so open about their struggles, their good days and their bad days, it helps me realise and normalise it for me as an individual to think, well, that is normal. You know, look at X, Y and Z. They are, all, OK, they're really successful, but they also share that they have days when they doubt themselves and they have imposter syndrome and they have you know this that and they, they are questioning you know lots of things like I do so I think the more that we can 
and I hate to use the word normalize, but the more that we can talk about it, we can be open about it. I think the more people are open to saying, actually, yeah, it has, I have felt that too. And you don't feel that kind of like stigma attached to it that perhaps we had, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And also from, you know, the, the, the kind of the cultures that we live in, you know, perhaps other generations older than us don't think it's a good thing to say that you've had a bad moment or you've had a bad day or, you know, they're very much like, okay, you just need to forget about it. You need to move on now. Um, but I don't think they'll, you know, that isn't certainly an approach that I can adopt and that doesn't work for me. So it's good to be able to have that network around me like a wider network. And I can see in my role models that they are also sharing their ups and downs and it makes it more relatable. Yeah, and like you said, it's destigmatizing by actually reaching out and having these conversations. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when we're younger, we we look up to our parents, don't we? That they are our role models when we're younger, and we look at how they deal with things. And what I've realised now is that my parents deal with things, and and not just my parents, but you know, my my wider family, my grandparents, my Thaiji, all of them, they they deal with things differently to the way that I deal with them. Um, especially when it comes to feeling a certain way or talking about our feelings. And what I've realized is that that's okay. That's the way that they deal with it, but it doesn't work for me. And I think there is this like level of respect now, whereas before it might've been a bit of a battle to say, no, but I want to talk about it. And I have to tell you that I'm feeling this way. There's, there's this level of respect that they're not necessarily going to question the way that I'm dealing with it. And I'm not going to question the way that they're dealing with it. You know, what they do, whatever they do is right for them. Um, but I think that there is an acceptance from the older generations now that the younger generations deal with things differently. And I think that they are more accepting of it now than perhaps they were kind of 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, within the obviously South Asian community, it might have previously been in some generations and even in some families now, that hesitation to just openly speak about certain mental health concerns or oh I'm feeling this way yeah I think I think especially when it comes to what I've noticed is like bereavement you know that there is I think that for me after what I went through you know I lost um, my second daughter after she was born I had complications in my labor and um, otherwise apart from that I had a very very healthy pregnancy so there was it wasn't expected it was a complete shock you know, I got put under a general to have a cesarean very emergency. And when I woke up, I was given this news that my daughter was born, but she wasn't going to survive for very long. Um, so I was on this like roller coaster of emotions. You know, I was, unwell, I was quite unwell myself um, for, for a period of time. Um, and, and I had all of this going on. And actually, you know, my parents, uh, they were, everybody was there for me, don't get me wrong. My, my family was my rock at that time. Um, and they're the ones that really helped me get through it. Them and my faith has helped me get through that, that whole scenario and that situation. But I think that there's this expectation that you've done it and you've got to move on from it. But I, I'm a mother and I'm not ever going to get over it. So, you know, when it's her birthday, when it's the day that she passed, you know, that is a difficult time for me. And I think it's taken time 
for some of my family members to recognize that I'm not always going to feel great around that time. I am going to remember, I can't just forget, you know, you guys might have done that when it was your time, you know, because they've dealt with, with similar things. But also, I'm really open about discussing that. Like my children, my, my children know that they had a sister. I'm very open about it. I don't want to hide it because I almost feel like I didn't even know that things like that could happen because, uh, uh, you know, maybe I was quite narrow minded and I didn't really think that things like that even happened in life because it's not the natural order of things. Um, so I'm not saying that I want to scaremonger my kids or anything like that, but I try and um, we, we're trying to raise them to understand that life doesn't always go as planned and these things can happen, but it's really about how you deal with them. Um, and like I said, you know, my family completely got me through that through that time and so did my faith. And I think um, I'm a lot stronger for it. Um, but I've learned a lot and I've learned that the way that my parents and my wider family, older generations expected me to deal with that grief versus how I've dealt with it is very different. And sometimes those ideas have clashed. Um, but now I think they are very accepting of the fact that, you know, that's that's how I deal with it. And that's how we deal with it. And, and I I don't think that they have as as the concerns. I think they I think before they just thought I was going to dwell, you know, if I'm remembering this, that, and the other, and I might get upset, you know, I think they felt that I was going to go down this like big black hole. But what they didn't realize was if I didn't deal with it, there was more danger of me, you know, going downhill than just being really open about how I felt. Yeah, but then obviously acknowledging what you were experiencing to be able to process it and heal from it. Of course, as you say, it's still a process. It's still gradual, but you're having that more open dialogue with your family and even your children to understand. Yeah, and like, um, I'm, you know, I don't shy away from telling people that I had counseling after that. I was offered it by my employer. I thought I've got nothing to lose. You know, I'm one of those people like, let's just, okay, I'll give it a go. And, and I went to counselling. And if anybody, you know, talks to me about counselling and, and that kind of an approach, I would say, well, what have you got to lose by trying something like that? And I'm very open in saying that I did try it. Um, and I'm not saying it was, it wasn't a bad experience for me at all. Um, I think other people can get more from it. I think because I'm quite open and I had so many people around me and my faith. I think I didn't probably need the counselling as much as some other people. And my counsellor was really open with me about that as well. But I did go through that and I'm not shy to kind of to say that I did it. And I, for me, it's not a sign of being weak. It's actually a sign of strength to, to go through something like that, to be able to talk about it, to be able to say, yeah, I, I used avenues that were available to me at the time. Um, I, I think now in today's age, you know, this happened to me in 2007, we're in 2021 and there's, there's a lot more out there for somebody that's gone through what I went through, um, just in terms of the NHS, in terms of charities, in terms of them just getting their message out there, you know, the internet is more widely used, you know, we didn't have smartphones in 2007, you couldn't Google it, you couldn't find a charity, you couldn't find perhaps even the support that was available, you might not have been able to access it because you just didn't really know about it. You relied on a bereavement midwife or somebody to, to give you a leaflet. Um, so I think things are definitely improving. There's, there's a lot more out there to access. And I think that is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the Seek Out Long Work as well, because 
at the end of the day, individuals are calling because they are in a place of hurt or in a place of pain and they're reaching out. Um, and, you know, we, we have a duty and a responsibility to help and support each other, regardless of if it's our friends, if it's our family, if we know each other, if we don't know each other. I think if somebody's reaching out and you're in a position to support, it's something that we could all benefit from doing and it's really rewarding of course and we're all like you say we're interconnected and however time there has been that shift and more availability as you rightfully noted there's more resources now that people can reach out whether they be via social media or an app or helplines like the seek helpline and seek forgiveness are raising awareness I mean, I've seen on the Seek Forgiveness social media pages about how you've translated, um, you know, like resource and things like that into Punjabi. That's just amazing because, you know, there might be people out there that have come from, let's say, India, that English isn't their first language um, and they need to know what kind of what they could be doing um, to support their mental health um, and to, you know, support themselves really and look after themselves um and I think that there's just there's just so much more out there I think it's a fine balance though because I think social media and you know how attached we've all become to our smartphones is also quite dangerous so but then that's on us to control it for ourselves and our children so like you know we have rules about um you know tablets and smartphones and things like that and when we can use them and when we can't it's a bit harder when you're working and your phone's pinging because it's email after email you know um it it does become harder to kind of to manage it but at the same time I found a lot of useful resource via my Instagram my LinkedIn and, and those kind of things and I found different communities um that I've been able to be a part of because of that social media and because I've, I've gone online and I've, I've read an article or I've seen something and I think wow that, that looks really good and you know I've become part you know I've joined into different groups um, and you know the the kind of the feeling that you you get when you're speaking to those individuals that are part of these kind of groups you know it is safe to talk about certain things you do feel comfortable you do feel like I said, you know, from a business perspective, I've seen that people have shared their highs and lows in their business journey. But, you know, mums, Asian mums are sharing, you know, their their journeys. And actually, we can all resonate because it's it's not easy. And it, you kind of you can look at them and you can go, God, I feel that way, too. And it kind of validates how you feel or how you felt because somebody else has gone through that or is going through that. And either you can offer them advice or they can offer you advice on like this is what helped me um so I think it's great to have all of that access and like apps and everything else like you know calm and headspace they're fantastic um sleep stories are really good my my youngest loves the sleep stories on calm um but I think like I said it's just that danger that you just don't get so attached to something like that and you don't feel right if you're not on your phone you don't feel right if you're not you know scrolling through your social media pages or your feeds and things like that it's just about balance so I like to connect to nature quite a lot I like to really I mean in the last year we've had to have breaks in the UK haven't we so we haven't been able to go abroad but I think 
for me it's just been like getting out there enjoying great views connecting to nature you know it's healthy it's good for your you know walking or hiking all of that kind of stuff is, is good for your physical health but you just have no idea about how much it does for your mental health as well I mean I've, I've started running <laughs> have you yeah. I'm not a runner like if anybody who knows me for a long time is like oh my god Sonia you started running I'm like yeah I did couch to 5k and I absolutely now kept it up since I've um I finished my nine weeks I go running about three times a week and I feel great when I'm having my run and afterwards it just clears my head like you know some of my good I get some good ideas while I'm on a run it just I, I can't explain it it's, it's a little bit like I, I really need to do that and I know at what point in the day like, I'm ready to go for a run now because it's just it's been a busy day or whatever but I've recommended it to so many people to say it although you think yeah physically it's going to help me do x y and z actually I don't think I realized the impact positive impact it was going to have on my it, it like emotional well-being and just helping me clear my head yes like having the physical exercise being out as well yeah at your emotional mental well-being absolutely I mean if you can't run you know just going for a walk I mean I've actually struggled since the weather's been nicer to go for a run because it's so hot and what I've realized is I prefer to run when it's a bit cold and actually when it's raining I mean I would be the person that would see other people running in the rain and think oh my god are you mad and now I'm like I, I love that feeling of going for a run when it's raining I think I've had my best run when it was snowing I just absolutely it was just a wonderful feeling I think just like being out there being in nature I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea but what I would say is don't knock things like that until you've tried it they're so simple um but just getting out there and 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 I think it like for me I, I want my kids to do that you know go for a long walk or go for a run when they're feeling a certain way rather than playing a video game because I think it will help them like you said physically but also their um, emotional well-being and obviously having a range it's almost like a toolkit you've mentioned of course you had family support yeah and you had that time for yourself, you have your faith, but also you've been open to trying a multitude of resources. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you could just try one thing to make you feel um, a certain way. I think you have to try lots of different things. You have to look at what fits for you. You have to be very open minded, um, but also don't knock it until you've tried it um, and be consistent like with me, like for my faith, if I'm looking at how my faith has got me through some really difficult and dark periods, I don't think I realised at the time what it was giving me. Um, but when I look back on it, it gave me a lot, if that makes sense. So like if I'm, if I'm just giving you the example of, of waking up and just praying regularly throughout the day or at a set time, you know, ultimately that gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning when I didn't want to get out of bed. It gave me something, it gave me a routine. It gave me part of a plan in the day. Um, and sometimes just having those tiny little things in your day makes a difference from you staying in bed all day and, you know, not feeling like you can function and not feeling like you can get up and face anything to doing a little bit of something and then repeating it every day 
it just builds and builds and builds and that you know I mean from my faith perspective I can't say how much it's done for me I wouldn't I could sit here all day and all night and it, I still wouldn't be able to you know summarize exactly what it's given to me um but then on top of that I've had the family support I am um, I have my children I have you know all these other things the running the going out trying to connect with nature meditation loads of different things that I have done and have tried and I and I you know I was try and measure like how does it make me feel afterwards do I want to do that again did it resonate or is that not like kind of quite right for me but it is like a variety of things it's not oh okay I've just gone and run and I'm fine it's got to be lots of different things consistently putting in almost like yes you mentioned your face but also these other daily disciplines it's what's bringing you more peace of mind yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just like even what food I'm eating. So, you know, I, I, like I'm running now. So, you know, you said you run. You, you can't go for a run if you've eaten really bad in the day. Like it will affect your run. You know, you can't have crisps and chocolates or not have lunch or, you know, you need the energy to run as well. So it, for me, going, going for runners, yes, it's impacted my physical health and my emotional um, health but also I'm like a lot more mindful about what I'm eating in the day to think well I've got to have the energy to go for that 35 minute run this afternoon um so I think it impacts so many things and and like now I'm, I'm kind of getting thinking about diet um you know I'm a vegetarian I have been for a very very long time I think like 25 odd years or so I've been a vegetarian so then it's like well you know, I'm a typical Punjabi vegetarian. I love like paneer and cheese and stuff like that, but that's not always the healthiest thing to eat. So um, I'm not saying I'm going to go vegan because I, I love paneer and cheese and things like that, but I have looked at like other ways that I can eat healthy. Um, and again, I find that that helps me feel better in myself. Um, and just, you know, sometimes you talk to people and what's getting them down is their relationship with food. So, and there's so many things you can do about that as well. There's, there's, you know, there's so many things out there. Um, I think you have to be willing to try them. You have to be consistent and you have to understand that things take time. So, you know, if you build these things into your daily life, hopefully you never get into a scenario where you just hit rock bottom because you're consistently working on it. You're kind of, it's like a drip drip effect. You've always got something, you know, that you're doing. Um, and, and I've talked about lots of things that are all, you know, like running and my family, but also like just I like having things to look forward to, like planning a meal out with a friend, you know, going for coffee next week with somebody. Like for me, it makes me feel like I've got something to look forward to. And I know it sounds it's really silly sometimes when you say that, but it it it's something that I like and, it, and I feel it lifts my mood when I know that I'm doing something or I've got some plans. So that's where I found lockdown really hard because I couldn't make any plans with anyone, you know, so it was all, it was more virtual, but at least, we, you know, you, you find a way to get around it, don't you? As you said, like, obviously we've had to make that shift virtually. It's finding those communities because you've mentioned that whether it was business or even people in your work with Seek Helpline, people reaching out, it's finding that community at times that you can resonate with and relate to 
so you're not saying oh it's just me I'm alone in this yeah I mean I think you need to know who you can talk to in your circle and you know to say oh I'm having you know I'm not feeling good today or I'm having a bad day um and knowing that you can reach out to those people I mean I've never spoken to somebody and told them that I'm not feeling great and they've ignored me or they've not they've made me feel silly so what I would say to anyone who is feeling like that is don't worry about reaching out you're you're always going to get the support that you need um and it, sometimes it's just about finding that like you said for me it's different communities offer different things um and there is a work community that supports me in my you know my with my business hat on but then I've got my friends I've got my family um I am part of another community for Asian women um and you know they support me and I support them through through all sorts of through all sorts of things and 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 that's actually how I've kind of got in contact with Seek Forgiveness um, and Sandy. So, yeah, it's just, I think there's so many things out there, but, you know, it takes time. If I look at all the things that I might do in a month or two, three months time, you know, the, those are things that I've built up over years of, of learning and trying to tweak. And I'm not saying I've got it right by any means. I think it's, um, it's a continual process um, because life is, going to throw more things at me you know there will be really really tough times ahead because there are things that are beyond my control if I could control everything it wouldn't be an issue um but the majority of things are outside of my control and you know things will change circumstances will change and I just always want to work to make sure that I can get through those times um, and I believe I can because I look back and I think I did it then and if I can get through that, I can get through this. And it's just believing in yourself and knowing that you, you have got that strength of character. And you have built up that strength and even that courage from what you said, trialing certain things out and adding to them consistently and gradually. Yeah, I mean, I've tried things and they haven't worked. And I'm like, oh, that was... But, you know, nothing's ever a waste because you realise that you've done it and it didn't work. So you've learned something. So you're never, you're never wasting your time with anything. Um, so, yeah, I think, and like I said, there's not a one size fits all. I, I'm very different to how you might deal with something, to how somebody else might deal with something. But what's important is that we recognise for ourselves what's important and what works for us and what doesn't work for us um, and just build on that. You know, that's the one, and, and recognising that it's normal it's really, really normal to, to have your dips and to, to feel high and to feel that things just aren't going your way sometimes. Um, but just be open. I mean, I, I like to read a lot as well. And I've, I've read various different books. I've changed my perspective on the way I look at things, on how grateful I am for things, on how to live in that moment. And just really it just be so thankful and grateful for whatever I've got in that moment, you know, even from eating a piece of toast, because even that is somebody's luxury, you know. Yeah, and even that practice, it's almost like they talk about mindfulness as well. For some yeah. stuff either just coming down to the present moment and just grounding that, yourself. Yeah, just, and like sometimes I'll hear my kids laughing and I just think, 
you know, like normally I might just be going around the house doing my housework and I won't pay attention to that. But sometimes I'll just try and stop in that moment and it's just such a beautiful sound, like hearing them laugh. I mean, they're probably getting up to some kind of mischief that I'm going to have to come and sort out within a few minutes and there's probably a big mess wherever they are. But in that minute, you know, just their laughter lifts me um, and I recognise that. So I try and like stop and just listen, listen to them giggling or, you know, you know, sometimes just through them, seeing how happy they are, how happy something has made them um, also lifts me. So it could be the smallest thing, but it is really that present moment because I think, I don't know if it's the human brain or if it's cultural or what, but we're just so wired for like the next thing constantly, next week, tomorrow, next year. And and like I said, it's good to have things to look forward to, but not if this is, that's all you're doing and you're just constantly looking forward and you're never like in this moment right now, what have I got? You know, what am I grateful for? Um, and there are so many things like the list is endless uh, and it could be the most basic thing. Like I'm grateful that I'm doing this podcast, you know, and I've got this opportunity right now and um, I've got, I've got water next to me. I've got emails pinging through and I could either, I could look at those emails and go, Oh, I just never get away from emails or it could be, well, you know, I'm working and I'm busy and somebody wants, somebody needs my advice on something. There's always a, a different perspective. And a different way to look at something. Yeah, that shifting, like you said, that perspective, and also just bringing yourself back into the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. I don't think we do it enough. And I think also in terms of with the last year, how it has been, it's almost forced some of us to reassess whether it is our mental well-being. Well, okay, what could I do to improve it or to find somebody or a community to help me work through whatever it is that I am feeling and going through yeah I mean um I've spoken to a lot of people in the last year that have kind of used the time to reflect they've used the time more I think we've all pressed pause a lot more we've gone from like running 100 miles an hour you know work life is busy family life is busy our weekends are usually so busy aren't they we've always got functions or weddings or something to attend and now because we haven't had that we haven't had it as much I think everyone has taken that time to so it's a bit like you said you know there's been some real tragedy and loss in these last kind of 14-15 months but there's been also this something else that's come through that you know people are finding that they don't need certain materialistic things they don't need because they've taken the time to evaluate and I think they've found a different way of of being themselves or you know perhaps something else that makes them happier I mean like from a work perspective you know the office and being in the office 24 7 is is no longer what it used to be it's all hybrid working it's more working from home it's working flexibly and people seem to be happier with that Um, And definitely the feedback that we've had from, you know, the clients and stuff that we work with is is that actually works better for them as a business. Um, So I think that, I mean, that's just one example. But, you know, like I said, we've done short breaks away in the UK and it's like, wow, I think we're going to do that a bit more, actually. And, you know, we're going to make time for that. 
Yeah. And we might not have always done those things if we hadn't had this time. Sort of like a shift in perspective, as well as looking at, okay, this is what we need for us right now. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people have been doing that. I certainly have. And I certainly have enjoyed the slower pace of family life. Work life has been extremely busy because just probably just because of the industry that I'm in, you know, I don't think there's any employment query that I haven't answered in the last 14 months in terms of COVID, you know, COVID and, you know, um, and quarantining and, and annual leave, all the things that have kind of been thrown up from an employment perspective with COVID. But also I, I've realised from a family perspective that I've really taken the time because I've been so busy with work. Um, I've taken the like my weekends and my evenings to really have my downtime and not feel guilty for it. I feel deserving of it because because otherwise I'm going to burn out, and I know that I can't do that. So, you know, I, I've really kind of like taking that time to, and planning to have that time to myself or just to have whatever I think it is that I need. It could be like a nap, <laughs> it could be an afternoon out, it could be any, it could be a Starbucks, but having that like break. And just thinking, well, I'm going to have this time, like protected time for me, because work has been manic. And I know not everybody's been like that. I know people, some, you know, a lot of people have been furloughed, been made redundant, and they haven't had that busyness. But I think with with everything comes its own comes its own kind of disadvantage. And for me, it was like, how am I not going to burn out last year? Yeah, having that time to recharge in line of what was coming up for you so important I mean we went away last year and I think I don't know how many days I spent kind of asleep in the day <laughs> but I needed to do it I really needed to do it uh you know and and it was great because that's what we did as a family we just recharged and that's what that's what you should do you know you can't always put pressure on yourself to go here go there explore it's just what you need at the time so really sort of tapping into like you said your needs but yeah. in order to do that is the willingness to acknowledge, okay, this is what's happening for me at the moment. So what do I need to seek out for that? Absolutely. And looking in that little toolkit and deciding what's going to work best for you at that time. And just not beating yourself up over it and just thinking, I do need, I do need to relax. I do need some time out. Or actually, no, I do need to do that. I do need to go on a run. Whatever it is, you know just not making yourself feel guilty for it and, and allowing yourself to have it. That can also come up for many people, feeling that guilt or that hesitation or reluctance to openly address, okay, these emotions are coming up or what am I feeling? I think, um, I think it's easier to recognise when, like, it, you know, like let's say you fall over or you hurt your ankle or your wrist or something. Um, it's easy to realise that you've hurt yourself. You fell over, you know what happened, you know when it happened and you recognise the injury and you've got some physical pain from it, you know. When it's emotional, it's not that easy because it's not, you can't see it, it's not tangible and it's easier to then not acknowledge it and not address it. Um. So I think just being in tune with yourself about like what you said you need at that time, like what I needed last year to do 
for my mental health is different to what I need this year because this year there are it's a different scenario it's a different landscape I'm in versus what I was in last year um and I just like to have those I don't know that that coping mechanism that toolkit to go to to understand what do I need and not beating myself up over it because I think I've spent I spent I'm just human I've, I've done that you know I, don't, I shouldn't be taking this time I should be doing this instead my to-do list is this long and I'm just you know having 10 minutes to myself but it's okay because actually when I take that time out I'm twice as more productive when I'm back to it and that's what I've, that's what I've learned and that's what I teach myself yes giving yourself that level of time and even self-compassion actually adds to your creativity and helps you thrive in these different areas of your work absolutely yeah and in terms of obviously like you rightfully said it's in terms of mental health and all these different avenues it is everybody taking that step that courage that's come up quite a bit in the time that we've spoken today each time you've taken the courage to step forward and get that help or that support yeah I think you know if you're if you're scared about saying how you feel I think then you've got to recognise that I haven't got the right support around me if I can't go and if I can't pick up the phone, if I can't tell this person how I'm feeling. I I need to think about that. Like I need to think about why can't I tell this person? Is it because I'm worried about what they're gonna think or because I'm scared about what I'm thinking about myself right now? Um and I think that first hurdle is so important to overcome and to because then once you're out there and you're seeking help, it's almost like the floodgates are open. And, and I think you'll be, you're opening yourself up to a lot more. Um, but it's just, initially, it's like when, when Seek Out One callers call a lot, you know, the first call that we tell them is, you know, well done for picking up the phone. Well done for dialing the number and actually ringing us and actually speaking to us on the phone. That is just so important. That is probably the, the biggest step because that is that point of going, I kind of feel like something's not right. I need to talk to somebody. Um, and it's just, you know, recognising that you've done something good. Because I think we don't often talk to ourselves with enough self-love. So it's easy to tell somebody else, well done, I'm so proud of you. But when was the last time we spoke to ourselves like that? Like we don't, we don't have those conversations in our own head, except for to probably tell ourselves off like oh you should have done that faster you missed that you know how could you have done that you know so we might we'll have the negative conversations with ourselves but we don't have the positive conversations enough if at all so I think sometimes it's just about being open being open to use that whatever support network that you've got around you and having better conversations with yourself in your mind and being more positive with yourself rather than worrying about, you know, beating yourself up. Encouraging that more yeah. healthy self-talk. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't do it. And I, I didn't realise I wasn't doing it until somebody kind of taught me that concept. And like, well, how do you talk to yourself? And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know, really. I don't, I just don't, I'm always worried that I'm going to be late or I'm doing this, that, you know, I beat myself up about things. But no, I've never said that to myself. 
like, why would I? And then, you know, I started thinking about it. And think, why wouldn't I? You know, why wouldn't I speak to myself like I speak to the other people around me that I love and care for? And why wouldn't I treat myself like that? And then that's when you start thinking that I've got some needs here and I don't think they're being met. And what do I need to do to get myself into that space? Because ultimately, if your needs are being met and you're a happy person, you are impacting, positively impacting the people around you. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want to be a good mum or a good parent or a good boss or good daughter, whatever it is. But you're not going to be that if you're not having those kind of conversations with yourself from time to time as well. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it has such a, as you rightfully say, a ripple effect almost. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my sisters once said that to me. She was like, if you're not happy in yourself, she was talking about her own personal experience and you know she was like I'm not going to be a good mom to my kids I'm going to shout more I'm going to be more ratty I'm going to be more on the edge and because I allow myself to do x y and z it does help me be a better mom and actually when you put it into perspective like that I think it does help you because I'm one of those people that you know it's always about someone else before it's about me but actually if I can see doing something for myself positively impacts my children I'm going to do it you know that it's a bit of a driver so maybe it's about working out what your drivers are for you and and what what really is going to make you do that sometimes it's doing it for other people sometimes it's doing it for yourself it really just does depend on it on you as an individual yes yeah, so like having that key push or what you value or resonate with for you yeah. want to take that step yeah so i mean a lot of people you know I think they reach out because they're saying, oh, I can see it's impacting my children or I can see it's impacting my marriage or my family in some way or my work. And those things are important to them and they don't want it to have a negative impact on that. So I think that can be their driver for going, right, this is my motivation for, for doing this or for picking up the phone and trying to get this help. Um, and, and like for me, like I've really stuff I think my drivers were different when I started to do this to what they are now you know before it was always for somebody else whereas now I started to realize actually just working on me impacts everything else in a, in a great way so I just need to keep it up that's amazing and it's been this internal shift like now like you said before it may have been for others which is that's valid too but it's been also now for you as well as you've gone along your journey, whether it's been professionally or personally. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've started to realise the benefit of, of, you know, trying to work my life in this way, as it were, and treating me in this way. Um, and, and I can see the benefits of it. Like I said, I, I don't think it for one minute means that I'm never going to drop or I'm not going to have a dip or I'm not there are going to be times and there are times where I don't feel great and there will be challenges in life that I have to face that you know I don't look forward to things that we all know we're going to have to deal with one day and we don't like to think about them but what I, I think I've recognized in myself is that I know I can get through those times because of my faith my approach to the way I kind of handle these things I, I just like not getting through it would not be an option for me yeah and also having I guess that sense of safety like that's also come up yes we can have courage to do things but any of the things that you've mentioned like you also highlighted obviously 
within communities or online platforms or even with the seek help plan or whatever you choose to go to is feeling okay i can try this out and it will be safe to do so yeah absolutely i mean if you're going to the right place um it is going to be safe to do that you know you're talking to the right people and you know go with your guts about who you want to talk to as well if you feel that i don't feel comfortable talking to this person then don't do it you know you're in control but um yeah i mean those online platforms certainly i've found them really really useful but i found them very safe um reaching out to organizations like seek forgiveness like seek outline you know we we've got things in place to safeguard people that are calling us and um, but safeguard the people around them as well yeah um so but also your family and friends they know you and you know they're there to help you and support you and I think you've got to put yourself in the other person's shoes like if somebody was reaching out to you saying that they weren't feeling great you're not going to ignore them you're not going to belittle them for coming forward and speaking to you you know you're going to want to try and help that person so that's what you need to remember if you are going to reach out for help but there's just I think that there's there's so much more out there now in terms of the conversations that are happening around mental health the support the charitable stuff um the apps you know and then you know if you really are struggling you know go and speak to your gp getting some other advice um you know some perhaps some professional support um it's all there and i think we're really lucky that we live in in the world that we live in today that it is there and we can access it of course thank you so much sonia for sharing everything that you have even your personal challenges as well as what everyone can do to reach out for that support no thank you for having me and i really appreciate having this opportunity and i think yeah, I don't often talk about my personal challenges, but I think as time goes on, I think what I've realised is, is that sometimes sharing that information and sharing that we're all human, we all go through these things. I think it really does help. It helps me to talk about it, but it also helps other people because they can resonate. Um, and so it can be scary talking about it and, you know, thinking I've shared something really personal that I've been through. But at the same time, um, if that was to support somebody in the way that they're feeling or actually help them to just realise that they're not the only person going through something or has been through something, um, then it's worth it. It's, it's completely worth it. And, and thank you for inviting me on to, to today's podcast. Thank you. And as anybody like listening is hearing this, it is about whether taking that first step reaching out, whether it be to a helpline or to an organisation, it is such a vital thing to do for yourself, whether it be your emotional well-being or your mental well-being. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, like if you're going to go out there and you, you're going to do something that's, that's good for you, it has a ripple effect. It will help you physically. It will help you in another way. You just don't always realise it at the time. But, you know, kind of consistency. It, it doesn't just help you in that one area of your life. It helps you going forward. And it does have that like knock-on effect into other areas of your life, a positive effect. So I really would, um, I really would say to anybody that is struggling, you know, go out there, research the support that's available, access what you feel comfortable with, 
but really, you know, well done to you for for going down that journey and not just thinking this isn't happening or I can deal with this. Um, no man is an island at the end of the day. We all need each other and we're all here to support each other. Of course, we're all, con- all interconnected. We are, absolutely. We can give each other that sense of whether it be guidance or support or advice. Absolutely, we are. I think the more we realise that, the easier things become. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.